Hey guys, I'm Eric McLean. And I'm Kelly Gramlich. It's time to talk some ACC football. Let's go. Happy Wednesday, everyone, and welcome into the Gramlick and McLean podcast brought to you by our great friends over at Duke's Mayo. KG, I don't think I have ever seen a bowl game have the social media and television impact as the Duke's Mayo Bowl. I mean, it was unbelievable. It was an absolute grand slam. And we're not just saying that because this podcast is presented by our great friends at Duke's. We really mean it. And I was thinking that as I, as that game was going on and I was on Twitter, the way that Dukes has interacted with Twitter and with social media specifically, and the way that it's embraced the silliness with the mayo dump and all that <laughs> stuff, it has changed the game. Now you have other bowl games saying, ooh, now we need to dump something, or we need to get really uh, serious about our Twitter presence. So it has changed the game. And the football game was still very interesting, obviously super surprising, and we're going to recap all these games later in the episode but I, that was probably, to me, Mac, of all these ACC bowl games, the most surprising result. Would you agree? A hundred percent. I absolutely agree with you. Did not see that result coming. But, hey, that's why we play the game. And just to go back to the marketing, I mean, those folks are geniuses. And the brand, as in Duke's mayonnaise, to, to just allow it to be fun. And to, right. To it's supposed understand. to be fun. That's right. Don't take yourself too seriously. That's right. That's right. Well, guys, we still have a national championship to preview but it's crazy to imagine that bowl season is over. And as we kind of hinted to, sadly, the ACC didn't have its best showing, but we did make some progress. Two wins. We went two and four, people. Thank Woo-hoo! goodness Wake Forest and Clemson were able to play. And as I mentioned that, sadly, we did have four ACC teams that had to cancel their bowl games. Number 18, NC State, Virginia, Miami, and Boston College did not get to play in their bowl games. So there, there could have been more wins there. We both thought NC State was going to win their game. Uh, so there's a lot of what-ifs, really, with this bowl season as it comes to an end. So we definitely hate it for those teams that didn't get an opportunity to play in the postseason. We're going to recap all the bowls that the ACC did play in, as well as talk with our Dukes Mayo Guest of the Week, Nick Carparelli, the Executive Director. This is big time, okay? Executive Director of Bowl Season. Listen, if there's somebody that knows about it, Nick's going to know about it. Can't wait to talk to him. But first, guys, Duke's Mayo has that little Southern something that makes good things even better. Duke's is delicious on sandwiches, in salads, and even the key baking ingredient. I found that out when Christmas season hit, the holidays. I'm like, man, y'all put Duke's in everything. It's low carb, it's friendly, and it's that thick and creamy texture trusted since 1917. Over the past 100 years, Dukes has continued to cultivate and celebrate its commitment to family recipes and bold Southern flavors. And of course, Dukes is still made according to Mrs. Eugenia Duke, salute to her, her original recipe in Greenville, South Carolina. I actually made a sandwich for lunch today, Eric McLean. I put the mayo on there and I put the chipotle mustard. Come on. Oh my goodness. I haven't eaten it yet, but man, I'm telling you, I'm excited. So... (laughs) Check out all of their flavors, the new and the originals, and head over to dukesmayo.com and embrace the new flavors with that same twang. Come on, KG. All right, guys, let's tell you a little bit about our guest this episode. Nick was appointed executive director December of 2019. Widely respected in college football, he brings nearly 30 years of senior leadership in athletics with proven success 
in university athletic departments, bowl administration, a conference office, a professional sports franchise, and a major athletic apparel brand. In his role with bowl season, Nick oversees operations and direction for the organization. He is responsible for effectively advancing the bowl season's mission and position, supporting bowl game membership, developing new revenue streams, and enhancing industry relationships with the NCAA, conference commissioners, athletic directors, college football playoff, and bowl staffs. We're going bowling, guys. Let's go. Nick Carparelli, the man, the myth, the legend. Welcome into the podcast, my man. Eric Kelly, thanks for having me on. This is I've been looking forward to this. Come on. We're, we're very excited to have you. We have so many things to cover. And, and as we wrap up bowl season, but really I want to start with you know your thoughts overall on bowl season and the privilege that it is to be able to play in the postseason. Yes, it is, it is a privilege for sure. It's a privilege to do anything normal the, in the last two years. I I want to I want to preface what I say with you know I feel I feel bad for the five bowl games that were not able to be played, uh, and and the, the the host communities that put so much time and effort and so proud of those bowl games, uh, and and for the for the team on the other side of those games that was there ready to play, uh, earned that postseason opportunity and, and couldn't play, and that was obviously disappointing for everybody uh, all around. So I don't want to minimize uh, what they went through, but. You know, 44 bowl games were scheduled. We're going to play 39 of them. And gosh, I, you know, maybe I'm just biased. Maybe I'm looking, looking at it through a different lens, but the games this year just seemed to be so exciting, more so than normal. The matchups were more intriguing than I remember them. Teams that would never schedule each other playing each other. We've seen upsets. You see the post game reaction to these student athletes and, and how meaningful it is to them. It's been awesome. It has been awesome, Nick. There's no doubt about it. And, you know, when you look at the cancel game, let's just talk about those for a split second. I know it's not the majority at all, and I don't want it to be the main storyline. Do you think that any of that was preventable, or is that just the world we're living in right now? Um, and the fact that we don't really have a uniform um, rule that we're seeing now in college basketball where you have to have seven players or whatever it is. Was any of that preventable, or is that just the world we're living in? Yeah, I think it's a combination of things. I think one, yeah, I think it probably probably uh, was preventable. You know, I think uh, schools or it was left up to the schools to decide whether they had enough players to play or not. And, you know, I'm not going to point fingers, guys, but you, you know how, how coaches can be. And uh, if they feel like they're going to lose a game and they have the ability to not play it, uh, that might be an option for some of them. Just just saying. At the same time, we're, you know, we're in a really weird time in college athletics where we have the conflux. It's a pretty big word I use there. I don't even know if I use it right, but we have the, the coming together of, of COVID of, of the transfer portal being new. So we're probably seeing the most numbers of people entering the transfer portal than we ever will in the future, at least I hope. Right. And, and then, and then you have some opt-outs, right. And really there's not a lot of opt-outs, but you just, you just couple those three things together and, and you have the reduced, uh, you know, squad sizes. So I don't think we'll see that kind of, uh, you know, uh, impact uh, on reduced roster sizes in future years. It's just something we had to deal with this year. If you were, let's say, the the commissioner of football, I mean, how would you have handled these cancellations differently? How could we have prevented them? I mean, is there is there a overarching rule? I know this is just our opinion. This is just three people sitting here talking. This isn't you know the end all be all. But you know, if you if you could have done something different, you know, what would it have been? Well, I'll I'll be honest with you. I think that you know some of the things that we can do differently are are are, are issues that could not have been solved within a week's time. I think there's system wide issues. 
Um, I'd love to hear your opinion on on this, Eric, being a former player. Uh, you have a whole, you know, class or, or, or three quarters of a class of, of redshirt freshman players that have been probably through 100 practices at that point in the season, right? Sat on the bench, suited up, but couldn't play. Let's let those guys play in bowl games and not burn a year of eligibility. If yes. you're a student athlete, would you not love that? Yes. If you're a coach, would you not say, wow, I get to evaluate these guys for a game heading into next year? You know, I, I know that concept's been discussed uh, in the past, but I think the time I, where you say, hey, let's let these guys play this one game as a reward for how much how hard they've worked all season and not have to burn a year of eligibility. I completely agree with you. I mean, I, I don't understand why, you know, it's taken us so long to, to even get to, you know, where we can have a conversation about it. I mean, I think that that is something that, it's a reward for everybody and a reward is playing at the end of the day. And so why wouldn't we allow these student athletes to play? I a hundred percent agree with you. And it just gives you more folks to pull from, especially in this kind of new world. And I hate to stay on the negative side here, but this new world where folks are opting out of everything and players are, you know, sitting out when it's a pre Christmas bowl game uh, you know, I kind of understood it, but now the fact that it's creeping into new Year's six games, Eventually, it's going to be playoff games where guys are opting out. How can we stop that from happening? I don't know. I mean, it, it, the problem is, and you said it, it's a it's a societal issue. You know, um, I can tell you if, you know, if, you know, my son plays college baseball, if, if you know, he thinks he's going to get drafted and isn't going to pitch in the, you know, NCAA tournament or whatever, I, I'm, I, yeah, as his dad, I'm telling him, no, you're playing. You know what I mean? You, you, you owe that to yourself. You owe that to your teammates. I mean. Where, where do you draw the line? And it's kind of comical to me that, that people draw the line at bowl games when there's so, so much fun to be a part of, right? If you're a sub 500 team, the last two weeks of the regular season, are guys opting out then? I mean, we, we may see that, you know, those games don't have a lot of meaning. Uh, we saw the Duke basketball player opt out the middle of the season last year, you know? So I don't know if it's a, 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 a problem unique to bowl season. Unfortunately, right. it's a societal issue that personally, uh, I, I don't like uh, Eric and Kelly. I, I'm, I'm a little bit old school like that. <laughs> I am too, I man. It. I think you play. I mean, you're with your guys. It's the last time. But, uh, you know, Nick, I've, I've also never been faced with a $40 million decision being the potential, you know, first quarterback taken. I mean, if you're, if you're the Peach Bowl CEO, it, do you have any thought? I mean, how do you get Kenny Pickett or Kenneth Walker to play? Is it giving them money? Is it a, some type of maybe Chick-fil-A sponsorship? I mean, has, have you heard, is anyone entertaining, you know, getting this NIL era that we're in involved in bowl season at all? It's an interesting notion. We've, we've actually, uh, bowl season's partnered with Open Doors, one of the, one of the handful of, uh, you know, NIL facilitator platforms. And um, they're, they're, they're playing the role of educating our, our bowl organizations. They're going to be at our annual meeting in April and have some workshops, a handful of bowl games engaged with them this year. Uh, and did some unique things, tying in their corporate sponsor uh, with the players. I knew the new Duke's Mayo Bowl did a lot of that. The Holiday Bowl was doing was doing that, and unfortunately, they couldn't couldn't be played. But it's an interesting idea that if you can tie a corporate partner with the student athletes uh, based on appearance in the game, uh, there's there's something there. Okay, before we talk a little bit about um, the possibility of playoff expansion, we saw you know Twitter is 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 really involved in the college football world, which can be fun at times. And we saw a few people saying there are too many bowl games. Uh, what does what does Nick say about that notion that there are too many bowl games? I, I have so much to say, Kelly, about that. I'm sure uh, you do. <laughs> I say it every day. Well, first of all, no one's forcing teams to play in bowl games. No one's forcing communities to have them. 
And certainly no one is forcing the, the uh, record setting millions of people who watch them on TV. So Eric, your, your Clemson team, right. Who of all teams after, after a run of playoff games, would people want to watch them in the cheese at bowl? Well, 4.9 million people did. Right. And, and, and the, and your, 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 uh, you know, fellow, fellow Tigers there looked pretty excited to win that game. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> you know, it, it seemed to be pretty meaningful to them. Uh, you look at the, you know, the coastal Carolinas in the world, the way they reacted after the game. You look at UAB who upset the highest ranked team they've ever upset in program history when they didn't even have a program five years ago. You know, you can go down the list. We talked about off air. We talked earlier about the Utah walk-on quarterback that came in. I was nervous for that kid, like right. as if it was me. I was praying for that kid. I was like, come on, man. <laughs> and he stepped up and what a cool moment. So don't tell me those games aren't meaningful, you know, that they're, they're all meaningful. And, you know, college football is unique. You know, I don't know how big the playoff can ever get. You're not going to ask kids in this, you know, era of, hey, I have a say in everything I do. Uh, you're not going to ask them to play four games at the end of the regular season. So, it, you know eight teams, 12 team playoff there. There's more than 12 teams that are deserving of a postseason opportunity. Uh, and a lot of college football programs with all due respect to them, they, they're never going to, you know, be able to challenge for one of those playoff spots, they, they, but they deserve uh, to play an extra game uh, and to be rewarded for all the hard work that they put in. That's what I think for whatever reason, just folks don't understand football is different than any other sport. It is very hard to have a Cinderella. It is very hard to have a George Mason, I think a couple of years ago, a VMI, maybe a couple of years ago. These just these teams that, you know, in basketball, okay, they can make a run and there's 64. There's this great tournament. It just doesn't happen in football. It, it is extremely hard. And maybe surely if we did it for a hundred years, maybe there'd be one. But at the end of the day, we can't just have this playoff. We can't just have this national championship game and then diminish everything else that there is a reward. There is a celebration that comes with bowl games and it. I don't know, man, it, it just, it irritates me to be honest when people say there's too many, you know, we can't have this, we can't have that. Cause at the end of the day, Nick, it is such a celebration for you as a player and you as a staff to be able to go to another community that you might not ever be able to go to for five to six days and then play a great game. And, 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 and you know, Eric, those communities treat you like Kings, like, you know, it's, it's almost uh you know, it's hard to go back to reality after you, you've been, you after you right. you've done with that whole week, but it's a, it's just a lifelong experience with your friends. And, you know, I, I feel bad for the kids opting out. I don't care the reason, you know, I think when you're, when you're 22 years old, you think you have it figured out, you make decisions that you think are the right ones. And, and most of the time you're wrong. Um, I'm pretty certain that, that you would say today, re regardless of how many games you played in, um, I'd give anything to play one more game. No yeah. one has ever said, man, I wish I played one less game. It's no. always the other way. I wish I could play another. I wish I could do one more snap. No, no one ever says the opposite. Yeah, uh, that, that's, that's the truth. Yeah. Nick, here's a question you might not get too often, but, you know, we've talked about the idea of expansion. And this is something that I've been thinking about a little bit when, you know, we seem to always get a championship game, at least for the most part, that's a little more entertaining than the semifinals. So what about the idea of not expanding? What about the idea of going back to two and the playoff committee can still select those teams, but then these bowl games would matter even a little more. Is this something that do you think could ever even be considered? I, I wish it would, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting. You say that I, I, um, you know, people that want to talk to me about playoff expansion, I, I get the discussion, but I counter with, 
um, the notion that based on the semifinal results in the first eight I, years of the playoffs, you could make a better case that there should be less teams versus more teams, right? If the goal truly is to, to crown a national champion, that's the best team in the country, you know, two teams is, is pretty good. In fact, the BCS era, there were, there were a lot of flaws in terms of, uh, you know, the process, et cetera, but usually the best two teams played uh, each other. And uh, I don't think there was a national champion in the 16 years of the BCS that anybody had a, had a problem with. Right. <laughs> um, so, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not sure that we need to expand, but there's a lot of factors involved as you guys mm-hmm. know. Yeah. I, I think it, it sadly is inevitable for, for a multitude of reasons, but it'll just be on when and how many I, I think is what it is going to ultimately come down to Nick. What, what was your favorite you know game of bowl season? We're recording this before we finish the last one. LSU will be kicking off, you know, later this evening, uh, but you, I'm sure, have watched every single one of these bowl games, been to plenty of them, I'm sure. What what has been your favorite this season? Well, it's it's hard to pick one. You know, I, It's I, like I, your you kids, know, right? I mean, how do you pick one? Yeah, I, I, I can't pick a favorite son. I have two of them. I love them equally. But, you know, I, I'll, I'll name a couple, you know, you know, UAB beating BYU for, you know, I, I tend to, I don't know, I get more emotional as I get older. I put myself in the shoes of the, of the people that are, that are actually doing it. And just, you know, the way they reacted and the way they felt with that big victory in the independence bowl, you know, was, was cool. Uh, the Rose bowl was obviously awesome just cause it was a fun game to watch. And, and uh, you know, that we mentioned that Utah quarterback and how, what a great moment that was, but I tell you what, the, 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 for pure entertainment, that music city bowl, Purdue, Tennessee, back and forth. Um, and we don't have the final ratings for that, but that, that might be the highest uh, rated uh, non Rose bowl, non playoff game of the year. Uh, so excited to see what what kind of number that pulled down. It was unbelievable. I mean, if you like offense, go rewatch that game all spring long because I'm all I'm all in with that one. Yeah, it's like when when I was a kid, I'm dating myself. I had the little handheld football game, which is the little dots that moved in, <laughs> and you score every time. It's just a matter of you got to time it so that you have the right. ball last. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Okay, Nick, we have to ask you now. We are sponsored by uh, Duke's Mayo, so I will preface that. Okay, but. We were talking about how much we love what they do to just get people involved and how they don't take themselves too seriously. I think that's one of the beautiful things about college football is, you know, crazy things happen and we embrace that. So my first question is, do you like what the Duke's Mayo Bowl has done with Twitter and the Mayo dump and everything? And then secondly, how much would we have to pay you to be dumped in Mayo? <laughs> All right. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll save that second question for, for last <laughs> I, uh, I think bowl games are starting to develop a reputation of being great uh, partners with their sponsors and that they're willing to be uh, a little bit more creative and take risks than you see in other, other sports enterprises. And I think that's fun. I think sponsors are seeing the value in that. I mean, look, it's a great time of year to be a, a sponsor of a sporting event. It's buying season. People are shopping for the holidays. You know, you're closing out the, the year. And uh, I saw somebody making a joke. The, uh, uh, the Valero Alamo Bowl. Let's hope they don't pour gasoline on the winning. Yes, plate. I saw that. <laughs> <laughs> but, and then uh, Bob Stoop said, "What about tequila?" I was yeah. like, "All right, Bob." <laughs> yeah. So no, I, I think it's I think it's great, and it's a lot of fun. And, and you're right; it's it's you know putting on these games is is serious business for these communities and, and the teams that play in them. They they want to win, but uh, as you said, Kelly, just you know you can do it without taking yourself too seriously and have a little fun at the same time. Okay, so. This begs the question. He tried to get out of what, it. He tried what to kind of it. check do we need to pair up with Dukes and the Graham Lincoln McLean podcast? What kind of check? How many zeros do we need for you to get dunked in Mayo? Um, 
Well, they, they offered the, the winning coach $10,000. So I don't yeah. want to be too greedy. I'll, I'll say $10,000. That's there you all it go. would take. There oh, wow. Okay. That's easy. We can, right, we can make a call right away. Uh, Nick, <laughs> before we let you get out of here, man, uh, the most important question of the day, how do we and who do we need to speak with to get the Gramlich and McLean Bowl rolling? Well, we could pick Jimmy Kimmel's brain, see how he, how he pulled that off. <laughs> Good idea. Um, I think he, you know, you're, you're, um, you'll get, you guys will get there, but he probably has a few more viewers than you guys. <laughs> Perhaps. At this point. Not after Perhaps. this episode. I tell you what, we're Scott. I think oh, it, yeah. it comes down to the, again, the question of how many zeros, you know, I think it, right. it comes down to that in many respects. It always does. It always That's does. Right. So when your when your viewership gets into the millions, I think we could have that conversation and I'll, I'll, I'll help broker the deal for you. I'll be your, uh, Awesome. I'll be your representative. I promise. Deal. It's done. <laughs> well, Nick, this was so much fun. Thank you for your insight. Thank you for, uh, you know, just being open and transparent, man, because this has been a fun ride and uh, excited for the future with bowl season. Yeah. Thanks for having me on, guys. Thanks for what you guys do. You guys are great for the game of college football. You guys uh, have a lot of fun, as, as we all should. So thank you for all that. Big thank you to Nick Carparelli for joining us there. It's amazing just to dive into all of those topics with him. There's no question. This is one of the most revolutionary times in college football. There's so many changes happening, and I am sure bowl season is going to be feeling that impact sooner than later. Before we break down these ACC bowl games, let's tell our listeners about our great partner, Seaside Grown. Oh, man. Seaside grown. Bloody Mary mixes, margarita mix, salsas, jams, barbecue sauces, hot sauces, and more. All 19 of the true field-to-glass seaside-grown products are made from the fresh produce Seaside grows locally or comes from other American farms they partner with. The products are then bottled in Seaside's very own commercial packing facility, providing unprecedented traceability for consumers. They know exactly where the food in their bottles comes from. The Seaside Grown brand is a part of a rich family-owned history of sustainable farming in South Carolina's low country that dates all the way back to 1903. The Sanders family situated the first tomato farm on a peninsula across from the Sound from Hilton Head Island. Six generations later, his family continues to refine his legacy and began repurposing the fruit that was too ripe for the market, aka the beautiful, perfect red tomato. Their flagship product started as just Bloody Mary mixes and salsas, but as KG mentioned, Seaside Grown now produces 19 True field to glass products. Guys, do yourself a favor. Go to seasidegrown.com, browse these amazing products. And when you load up your cart and you're ready to check out, use our code ACC15 and save 15% on your entire order. All right, Mac, let's break down these bowls. As we've mentioned, the ACC only got to play in five bowl games. They went two and three. And we'll start with the first responder bowl Air Force defeated Louisville 31 to 28. I got to be honest, Mac, this game was actually closer than I thought it was going to be. Louisville got down early. They came back. They stuck in it. But when it comes down to it, we talked so much about this game and, and talked about assignment football. And in the end, Air Force was able to lull Louisville to sleep and pass the football. That's something we didn't really expect. But Louisville defensively, they just couldn't do enough to stop the triple option from Air Force. Listen, if you would have told me, hey, Emac, I will give you a million billion dollars if Air Force throws it for 200 yards or if they only rush for 170, you lose it all. There's no way I would take that. There's no shot. 
This was totally something that I don't think anybody expected. I mean, they threw for 250, 9 of 10, 90% in two passing touchdowns. I mean, what the heck are we doing? Just assignment football. When you're playing a triple option team, your corners, your safeties cannot be lulled to sleep. They can't just forget how to play football. And they were out here making you know B. Lewis look like Jerry Rice. Five receptions, two touchdowns, 172 yards. I mean, Randy Moss type stuff. Randy Moss is the only wide receiver <laughs> to ever have statistics that are equivalent to what Lewis did against Louisville. I mean, it's it's sad. It's depressing. We took the bait on Louisville to end the mm-hmm. season just like we always do. Uh, I, I don't know, KG. There, there's a lot of things wrong with Louisville as an athletic department and clearly as a football team. The good thing is Malik Cunningham is coming back. There's a couple of really big transfers that we'll dive into uh, when we're kind of recapping and previewing these ACC teams for next year. But uh, Louisville's got a way to go. They do. And we are going to recap every single team throughout January and February. So stay tuned for that. I will say, Mac, the Louisville, uh, the women's side of their athletic department is in really, really good shape. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> With their volleyball team making the Final Four and their women's team ranked third in the country. Their men's side is struggling. Yeah, I was more so, you know, just looking at the president at a graduation ceremony saying University of Kentucky. We don't know who's going to be the AD. Like, what's going on in Louisville? Nobody knows. Okay, Mac, we know the solution. It's it's just time for Luke Hancock to be the president of Louisville. Honestly, I don't know what's taking so long. He's the consummate Louisville man. He just needs to do it. We're big fans of Luke. But let, Mac, you're right about taking the bait. Louisville had looked good against some bad teams, and, and that's just the reality. When you look at our, our prop bets for this game, Air Force rushing for uh, over under 320 yards. Well, we both said over there, wrong, because they passed for a bajillion <laughs> yards, which we didn't see coming. <laughs> who, who would have thought that? And then, of course, the last one, Malik Cunningham, thought that he was going to have to be Superman, which he did. That's why they lost, I think. Uh, over under four touchdowns. We both said over, or maybe I said over. I don't, I don't know I where you I said under. Were. You said under. All right, you win. Uh, so a split there. So thank goodness Kelly's on this podcast because I, I just, <laughs> we'd be wrong a lot if it was just me. Well, Louisville, you made a bowl. You can at least, I think, try to build on that. And again, more season recaps uh, forthcoming with the Louisville Cardinals. Let's talk about the new era pinstripe bowl. Oh, oh, I'm sorry, Mac. We've lost connection. Oh, no, we can't talk about this game. Oh, gosh, we're going to have to just skip it. <laughs> this game was an atrocity. Maryland beat Virginia Tech 54 to 10. Now, I want to defend Mac because Mac picked Virginia Tech, but we made these picks like three weeks ago. So it was before Virginia Tech's QB just said, peace, see you later. <laughs> and I did and on TV. I did, I did re, I corrected my pick on TV once I yeah. had all this information. So I don't think you can take too much from this game, Mac, just because everyone opted out. No, but no. still, still, you should not get beat by a fellow 6 and 6 team by 44 points. No. I mean, th- this is what I had written down when we were previewing this game. Will we get a final glimpse of the more frustrating team in the ACC? And then I said, this could be a glimpse of the future, or it could make my head hurt worse. Guess what? My head is still hurting from watching this game. I mean, it's unbelievable. We, we talked about what's the key to the game. Create turnovers, create short field position, because your offense can't do anything. And that's exactly what they did. 350 yards of offense, that's what we put the over-under on. We should have had it at 250 because it's abysmal. These guys have not been able to do anything consistently all year long. Coach Pry has an unbelievably uphill journey uh, to really get into. 
There have been some really splashy hires, and, and again, we keep referencing these preview, these episodes to come. Uh, we'll jump into all of that, but right now, Virginia Tech, don't ever watch this tape. Burn it. There's no point to even reference this game. If you have bowl gear, throw it away. Nobody ever wants to remember the new era pinstripe bowl because it was the worst bowl loss you've ever, ever experienced. Yes, and honestly, when I said earlier the ACC went two and three, I think I was just deciding that the pinstripe bowl didn't exist because the ACC did go two and four, and the <laughs> pinstripe bowl does have to count. So sadly, I'll correct myself. There. there were six ACC bowl games. Let's get on to a, a happier bowl game here, Mac. The Cheese It Bowl. Number nineteen, Clemson beats Iowa State twenty to thirteen. Look, the bottom line, Clemson's offense is still pretty ugly, but that defense continues to look great. And finally, it's been a year where Clemson has had just terrible luck with the pick six, which is not something you want to have terrible luck with. I think of the pick six against Georgia, the pick, the, the lateral pick six against Pittsburgh. What even was that? So finally, Clemson gets good pick six luck with Mario Goodrich, who was excellent in this game. Clemson's defense, still elite. Clemson's offense, work in progress, but... They found a way to win the game, Mac. Yeah, no question about that. When you look offensively, kind of reverted back to that team that we saw in the first five or six games and just couldn't you know, really figure out what they wanted to do, who they wanted to be, uh, and really just get things going. And so that was a little bit disappointing when you look at a whole bowl season to you know, really get ready for that. But the defense, as you said, just balled out. I mean, held these guys to 66 yards rushing, uh, something that they – that's what they do. That's what Iowa State does. And I know their best player didn't play, but at the end of the day, that that's who they are and who they want to be. So very impressive to see. And then, of course, as you just mentioned there, Mario Goodrich. I mean, what a what a way to end your career. I mean, mm-hmm. with a pick six, a crazy pick six, and then a strip uh, you know, tackle to end the game. The ball goes backwards. They land on it. They converted. Then it goes backwards. They didn't convert. Uh, and, and that's kind of how the, the game is sealed there. It's just unbelievable. He's going to go on to the Senior Bowl, ball out, probably be drafted in the first round. So it's impressive to see this defense. A lot of changes happening at Clemson very quickly. Um, We'll dive into all of that, but the Tigers, 22 is going to be a very trying year, I think, for them just because of all the changes. And we're going to really see, you know, how much does, you know, culture matter and how much can these Tigers, you know, really step forward. Right. And which of these young players can step up? and provide the offensive spark, whether it's Klubnik or these young wide receivers or Will Shipley, who's really been doing that. Uh, Mac, the most important question, though, with the cheese ball any thoughts on Prince Chedward? Um, I'm very excited that you got what you wanted in a picture with Prince. I was Prince kind of obsessed with Prince Chedward. And Dabo. I mean, that was that was like your biggest takeaway, and it, and it Mac, happened. It happened. When he ziplined into the stadium at the very beginning, <laughs> I was howling. I was on my floor you, did you, you didn't go to the game, so right? Hard. You didn't, you didn't, no, no, you no. You weren't physically there? Okay. I imagine you would have tried to take a picture with Prince. Oh, my God. I would have. It would have been a situation where they would have said, ma'am, can you please leave Prince Chedward alone? Like security. We have a woman who is trying to get a picture and get her out Prince of here. Chedward. It would have been really bad. I can just see the headlines now. I understand. I understand. Yes. But, Mac, with our over-unders here, Iowa State obviously taking Clemson to cover. We, we told you that from the beginning. That happened. Clemson held Iowa State under 99 rushing yards. Got that one right. And DJ throws for under one and a half tutties, definitely under there. 
So we uh, we got it all right there, right? No, I said the over. I thought DJ was going to throw two. I was excited for that. I thought that, you know, he's, he has some time. He's going to build this rapport with these receivers even more so. Dakari Collins, Bo Collins, who had, you know, decent days, mm-hmm. uh, thought that they would uh, just do a little bit more. And at the end of the day, change might be coming, Kelly. We'll see. Going to be interesting. All right, how about the Gator Bowl? Wake Forest gets it done. This was a game where Rutgers was completely overmatched. I really wish we had seen the Wake-Texas A&M game, but all that matters is Wake took care of business. They won the Gator Bowl. They end up with uh, one of their best seasons in school history, 11-3 and and 11-win season. Just happy for Wake and the fact that they handled business. Absolutely, and and really when you look at this, we wanted to see a clean game by Wake Forest. You know, when you had an underwhelming opponent – in Rutgers, a team that shouldn't really even have been in bowl season, but luckily for them, they were kind of given that invite. Um, but just a great way to finish 22 and a lot of momentum, you know, going into this next season. 11 wins, I think the second time ever in program history. So this offense is is balling. This offense has a lot of pieces coming back. Christian Bill Smith actually announced that he will be transferring. But in mm-hmm. the passing game, you know, these guys should should look absolutely tremendous. So excited to see you know, Wake Forest moving forward. And, the, I mean, the biggest margin of victory, largest margin of victory ever for Wake Forest in a bowl game. So a lot that you can build on that. And, uh, you know, really excited just to see that. KG, before we move on to the Peach Bowl, can we talk about the Duke's Mayo Bowl? The best oh, bowl Oh, yeah, ever. we got to. I mean, we, we already kind of referenced it up front. But when you look at this game and, and you look at how it kind of happened, South Carolina jumps out to an 18-point lead out of nowhere. I mean, I, I cannot give enough credit uh, to, to Coach Beamer and the things that he is doing, the the excitement that he is building around South Carolina. I live in Columbia, if you guys didn't know that. And after that 30 after yeah after that 30 point you know beat down, it was a little quiet. There wasn't much chicken talk. There wasn't much sure. garnet and black anywhere. Everybody was just kind of in gray. They wanted to to not be seen. In gray. Uh, but now <laughs> It's like this was a Super Bowl, which I'm happy for you. I get it. I think you should celebrate it that way, uh, especially in a game that you weren't favored. I think North Carolina was like a 10-plus oh, point favorite. Oh, North Carolina was a big-time favorite. Yeah, yeah. So, so you handle business. And, I mean, offense out of nowhere, we didn't really see an offensive explosion like this, uh, but maybe a couple of times. So unbelievable great job by South Carolina. North Carolina, uh, mm. this was kind of par for the course all year. This was kind of who you are, who you've been this entire season. And – it's disappointing. I think North Carolina, to be honest, without you know, being super critical, because I know this is children at the end of the day, uh, the most disappointing team in the ACC. I don't think there's any question about that. One of the most disappointing teams in the country. Yeah. And, you know, Clemson also falls into that category, too. We're not um, skirting Clemson, but the defense with just – you have athletes. You have five stars, and they're bringing in more five stars. You've got to find a way to be better defensively. It's really sad when you can't even help out Sam Howell, who is one of the best quarterbacks in in your school history and should finish with a better overall record. A lot of that was on his defense. And again, Mac, a lot of credit goes to South Carolina. During the bowl prep, they were able to put in a lot of different things for Dak Joyner, and he was great. He executed. And I don't think North Carolina was ready for that. So credit to Shane Beamer and his whole staff and credit to Dak Joyner for going out there and playing really, really well. But that UNC defense, I don't know if it needs a new coordinator or a facelift or what, but it needs something, Max. Something. <laughs> that was, I think it, it was an embarrassing loss for North Carolina, but it was also a great win for South Carolina. I think both things can be true. The final 
ACC game we need to break down here, Mac, is the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl. And this is a game Michigan State won 31 to 21. Nick Patty gets hurt. I want to say this. I was not a believer in Patty. After seeing the first couple drives before he got hurt, I am. And <laughs> and I know he's injured. He's going to have to recover. But from just the few things that I saw between him and Keaton Slovis next year, I'm already thinking I'm probably going to pick Pitt to win the Coastal. Okay. Because I, I do think Over Miami. that he – Yes, I do think with a full spring – with Jordan Addison, with all the weapons they're bringing back, and with the offense completely uh, curtailed to him, I think Pitt's going to be just fine. And if Patty doesn't get hurt, they win that game. I, I think it's that simple. I agree with you. And if Kenny Pickett plays, they probably win well, by 60. Yeah. I mean, it's I hate to do that. I hate to do the back and forth thing, but unbelievable to see you know what could have been. And, and it just stinks. I mean, that this you know that this team was absolutely handicapped and couldn't do anything you know without you know a quarterback that. Honestly, was sitting back there, looked like a statue in the pocket, could not move, and it, it's super unfortunate. So when, when you look at the defense, still a great performance. Michigan State explodes for 21 points in the fourth quarter. I mean, that was a lot to do with turnovers, field position, and, and Michigan State just got hot. But for three quarters, three and a half quarters, really, I mean, when you look at when yeah. they scored, uh, Pitt played really good football defensively. So keep your hel- head held high. Uh, if we were in the SEC, this game would not count. So I think that we can just kind of take that, you know, approach with this bowl season, KG, and say that you know Pittsburgh really didn't. They didn't care about the game, you know. No, they didn't. And obviously, Virginia Tech didn't care. I don't think Virginia Tech had any idea that they were even playing in a ball game. I, th- I think they, they just thought they were showing up to Yankee Stadium to throw the ball around because that's what it looked like. All right, we need to end this podcast before I just keep yelling at Virginia Tech. That's true. I'm getting a little upset, too, thinking back about it. Guys, that's it. Thank you for listening. Another great episode of Gramlich and MacLane brought to you by our friends over at Duke's Mayo. If you haven't already, go over to iTunes, follow our podcast, drop us a little five-star rating or write us a review. We would greatly appreciate it. But until next time, we'll see you.